Welcome to The Author Show, where we feature new authors and books, from fiction to self-help and everything in between. You'll find it all at theauthorshow.com. That's theauthorshow.com. And now let the show begin. The silent generation and even baby boomers may remember Uncle Tony O'Dare, a cartoonist, animator, and instructor at Walt Disney Studios who first taught drawing on the radio. Welcome to The Author Show. I'm Danielle Hampson. This Uncle Tony's real name was actually Tony Dorazi, and one of his sons is here today to present his book, The In-Between Artist, The Story of Tony Dorazi. But before I bring in my guest, a quick reminder that selected interviews on The Author Show are available in our iPhone app, which can be downloaded in the App Store, as well as on TV on the Roku channel and on Amazon Fire TV. And the app name on all our platforms is simply The Author Show. David Dorazi is Uncle Tony's son and the author of The In-Between Artist, The Story of Tony Dorazi. And you will find out more about David at David F. F as in Frank, Dorazi.com, David F. Dorazi.com. Welcome to the author show, David. Thank you, Danielle. I'm excited to be here. Thank you very much. Well, you're quite welcome. Now, David, what inspired you to write your celebrity father's biography over 40 years after he passed away? Well, what inspired me about 12 years ago, before my mother passed, about 10 years ago, we found all these boxes of a thousand pages of notes in the garage, plus blue books, diaries, and scrapbooks of my father's. And I felt I'm the only sibling left in the family, and he had a fabulous life. I promised my mom I'd write a book. Here it is, 10 years passing, and the book is published, and I could share it with everybody. So who specifically did you have in mind uh, when you wrote a book? Who do you think would enjoy reading the in-between artists, and why do you think they would enjoy it? I think anybody that experienced mental illness in their families or friends and to see what they go through. And I actually was able to get in my dad's inner mind. And I think they could see there's a lot of good within the mentally ill people that most people on a day-to-day basis don't see. I grew up with it and I took my memories that I had and I'm able to share it. So I just want to get out and let people know there are a lot of great things within people that have mental illness. Well, obviously you had front row seed, does major knowledge of your dad's career and his illness, but what other types of research, if any at all, did you need to conduct in order to put your father's biography together? Well, I had to research the internet, Walt Disney, and the names that he wrote in there, and it all came together. I mean, my father was the creator of Dopey, and you know, the, one of the first cartoonists for the movie Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, And he was chosen four out of a thousand applicants. And all the names he mentioned in the book and his notes, which is like I say, a thousand different just of notepads, it all came together. And I was able to track the first cartoonist and all the teachers he mentioned, and then the character Dopey. I, I was able to find all this. So, and it's all factual from his own notes, primarily. Well, would you please share with us just a little of your father's journey and on how he became one of the very first cartoonists for Walt Disney and later became one of the first four in-between artists to work on Disney's first animated 80-minute film? Yeah, it all started. He was 18 in in New York. His father wanted to send us Italian immigrants 
wanted to send his oldest son of 11 children to the number one art school in America. It's the Art Institute Art League in uh, New York, top school at the time. He was compared to Michelangelo by his other students and his teachers by the way he drew. And then he had an incident at 19 that he, he had to overcome. He was sent back home. His first nervous breakdown, my dad had five nervous breakdowns and 37 shock treatment in his lifetime. That's why it's an amazing story, all his successes. And then he got well. And at 23, he went to Chicago with the two drawings he, he made. One of them was his sister had passed, going to heaven. And the other one was the creation of man. Well, he was at the Chicago fair and two priests saw him. He didn't have the money to put it in the fair. So they lent him the money. He ended up winning first place for his artwork in Chicago's World Fair, the first since the Depression in 1933. And so he became a very popular person in Chicago at that time. And his dream was to teach kids how to draw on the radio when TV wasn't even around. He interviewed with a program director, and they hired him in his own show, and it lasted two years in Chicago. He was one of the most well-known celebrities in Chicago being on the radio. I know you mentioned Dopey already, but back around the mid-1900s, Disney released, I believe, first Snow White and the Seven Dwarf. I believe that time was about, what, 1937, somewhere around there? That is correct. And then Pinocchio, followed by Fantasia, and then Bambi. Now, as I said, you mentioned Dopey already. So what film would we recognize was your father involved in? When in Chicago, he became so popular, but he had a breakup with a lady in Chicago, and he had to get out of town. So he looked in the paper, he saw an article for Disney. They were looking for the in-between artists for the movie Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. So he took a train to Hollywood. He got there. He found out there's only four openings out of a thousand applicants. He got the job. He was the original cartoonist for Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, created Dopey. He created, he also did some work on Pluto before he left. Then his next step, teaching kids how to draw, would be his next step to television when television came out. Yeah, you mentioned already a little bit about the TV and the radio before, but how did he really make it through to become a big TV and radio celebrity when radio and TV first came out? What he did, he he finally got back into radio and he went back home for a while when they had their first two children. Then he went to Spokane and got a he got a job in the advertising department, but he sold them on the idea of a radio show. But then he saw Hollywood who was putting radio, you know, he wanted to get to Hollywood with TV coming around. So he got a radio, his radio show again in Hollywood when he left Spokane, but he saw TV was ready to go. So he got an Emmy for his radio show in the early, you know, 1948, he won his Emmy. But then at that time was his avenue to get into TV. And for five years, he had his own TV show as Uncle Tony O'Dare, first cartoonist of the air. It was the number one kids show and throughout the West. And that's how he got started there. Oh, okay. Now, you already mentioned that he had several nervous breakdown. So your dad really faced some serious health challenges. So can you talk a little bit more about what happened and, and how did he navigate really through those challenges while still really becoming a celebrity? Well, he was doing fine until, you know, he got on radio and TV. And then he had gotten this terrible car accident when I was six years old, and he lost his memories for six months, was taken away in a straight jacket. I was six. I could still remember standing on the porch, seeing my dad hauled away at six. 
And so it took him six months with uh, 37 shock treatments in Camarillo State Hospital, and he finally came home. But when he came home, he was, he'd go in his room and sleep 12 hours a day. He got medicated. But then throughout the rest of his life growing up, he would go into these, these high and low cycles of manic, and he ended up working part-time on some major TV shows, but, and he worked in sales, and he did a number of things. And I was the one, I was the chosen one to help my mom get him in these hospitals and admit himself. So I, I actually was there for four of his nervous breakdowns. But he got through it all just because he was determined and his, he was so talented and people loved him. He was just friends with everybody. And when he's in his high cycle, when you're in a manic stage, everybody in the world is friends with you. They love you to death. Yeah. Because <laughs> you'll give him everything. Now, how did you navigate through all of that? And, and what, if anything, were you able to do to help him? What I was able to do to help him is I would get close to him. And finally, you know, it, like when I was, I'll never forget when, when I was like 12, 13 years old, my mom said, David, I need your help. You know, I need you to help me. And my other brothers, I had brothers that had issues. And I seemed to used to call me your golden boy. And I always try to get close to my dad. I, I used to cry when I have to, she said, David, you got to get him to put himself in the hospital. So I did it for my mom, for the love of my mom. You know, she always called me the rock and I would, Talk my dad into it. We'd drive to the hospital. He'd be put away for a couple months. And I'd sit there and the doctor said, well, Tony, you want to commit yourself? You know, and my dad said, what do you think, Dave? But I mean, here I'm a 14-year-old kid. And I'm going, oh, my God. Yeah, dad, do it. You know, but so then I would just, I would hang with him and I would see his cycles and I would try to stay with him and learn as much as I can through it. I hid it from all my friends. They had no idea my father was manic-depressive. Yeah, especially in those days, that is not something that we would really talk about. Today is a little bit different, but not in those days. And that is a lot of responsibility for a 14-year-old, for goodness sake. So, But you attribute being raised by a mentally ill father as a contributing factor to your own successes. So would you elaborate a little on that, please? Yeah, I think from my own success, I've been the top award-winning salesman for two, three major companies in the United States. And I attributed to, my dad was, I saw how he made people laugh, how he was friendly with people, he smiled. And I use that in my everyday life of work, being a salesman, and just giving other people what they want. If they need help, I help them. I make them realize that I care about them. And I think my dad cared about people and he just loved life. And I love what I do. It took me a while later in life to realize that, you know, after 10 years, I got back, I got into sales. I was originally going to be a dentist, but then I realized, went back to school and I, I top salesman. My, my old boss would just say, how the heck did you do it? Every year you're on top. So yeah, I just observed. I guess I listen more than I talk. <laughs> Well, remaining positive is always the right thing to do. And it looks to me that you did indeed always remain positive. So you learned. What do you believe that others may also learn from your father's story? I think they could learn there's a lot of good within people with mental illness. And if we really open our eyes and see where they're coming from, I think they're border- there's some borderline genius there. And right. my dad used to go in his room and read 12 books in two hours. I mean, he used to get on radio programs when he was in his, and he had used to talk about anything. And I find that's what's helped me too. I've read a lot and I've learned a lot and I shared, I keep people abreast on the world because a lot of people don't 
really spend the time trying to figure it out. And, you know, between what I learned from my dad and other people around me, I think that's the key to life. Oh, absolutely. That's what I think people could get out of this. In other words, anytime you experience it, you realize they, there's a lot of good in that in people around you with mental illness. And you just got to get into it and be part, you know, be with them and help them when you can. So how did you write your book? Can you describe for us a little bit your writing style? My writing style, I think, is I took it from notes and factual, and then I, I kind of combined my thoughts and my actual experiences so people could kind of see I was able to get into the inner mind of my father and actually just give it as much as I can, my input from what I saw. So I, I, say, I guess it's a natural factual style, and I, I saw humor in it. I cried. I laughed, and I'm hoping people will do the same when they read this story. Okay, well, let's give them a little example. So would you please read an excerpt from the in-between artist? I'd be glad to. This is chapter 16, 50 years deep. In the spring of 1959, Tony wrote, I am now in the 50th year of manhood. And during my half of a century of life, I've had a questionable pleasure of being committed to a mental hospital a few times. He continued to describe what it was like to live as a manic depressive. Why is it, I asked myself, when I am in a so-called upcycle of my psychoneurosis, I always felt like a person under the influence of hypnotism. In the manic stage, I get a firm conviction that my actions are not only correct, but they are infallibly perfect, right on the button. And I also feel that I have to be done at that very moment, period, exclamation point. There is a fervor and haste that be compared to the action of one who is hurrying to complete his chores because he knows that in a short while, he will be dead. And yet months later, I sit and meditate and retrospect, and I see myself while in one of these upcycles as a person magnifying the importance of every single minute detail, event, and decision. While in this state, everything has to be completed according to the spur of the moment decision. It grows from the fervor itself, no matter what I'm doing. Tony knew what it was like to feel hypnotized since he studied it in his earlier years and even used to hypnotize people for fun at parties. The way he described his mental illness in his writings offers insight into his ups and downs and the impulsive nature of his decision making, which often led to some unpredictable situations coming to pass. So as you see right there, I mean, that's really amazing how many people in their mental state can actually get to the point where they could write something that was going on in their mind and how they feel. Indeed, that would be very, very, very challenging to do. In uh, talking about challenging, writing a biography such as yours, especially about a family member that can be very emotional. So how challenging was it actually for you to write the in-between artist? It was very challenging. I mean, it, it, six years ago, I went up to my mountain cabin and I took all these boxes. I'm not exaggerating. I'd say 10 milk crates and all his scrapbooks. And I said, where do I begin? And when I started it, I started getting into it. I learned stories that I didn't even know what was going on when I experienced things with my dad. And I cried. And then funny things that I laughed that I didn't realize I was involved with. But he never told me the whole story. So it was tough, but when I got done, it was so fulfilling. Mm -hmm. I didn't spend a lot of time with him other than when he was on his high cycle. So I really got to know my dad. And what's awesome, my kids got to know my dad because they've all read the book. My oldest actually edited it for me. 
And obviously, this is more than a biography, isn't it? So other than selling your book, of course, what really do you hope to accomplish with it? What I hope to accomplish, I'd like it to do well. I'd like people to help their families understand what's going on. It does well with the profits. I'm doing financially. I've been fine. Like I said, number one, it's the profession that I've chosen. But now I'm as a writer, I want to donate to mental illness and the homeless and see how I can help and give back to the world. And then I'm writing my next story. My sister was a Happy Days co-star with Ronnie Howard, and she had mental issues. And she has her diaries that I'm working on now. So I... I, I'll have that, but and then I'll write my own story. What, I, what, how I became a successful salesman despite all these issues and growing up and got around it and was able to be successful through all this. But that's what I want to do. So, David, where can readers find out more about you? In what formats is your book available right now, and where, of course, can they purchase it? Okay, David Duravzi, David D A V I D F. D-O-R-A-Z-I dot com. It's in Kindle form. It's an audio book. And at any of the major bookstore online, you can purchase the book. Okay, wonderful. And you have links on your website that people can click on in order to purchase the book, correct? Yes, yes, I do. And I have a blog that they are able to go to as well that I keep up to date. Yeah, wonderful. David, you've already mentioned that you are writing other books. So I hope that you will consider coming back on the author show when those are ready to come out. Yes, I definitely would. I'd love to. And I really appreciate this experience. Okay, you're, you're welcome. And thank you for coming on the show today. And thank you especially to your dad for his contribution to one of my ultimate favorite animation movies, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Thank you very much, David, for putting your father's life story out for us so that we can understand not only the genius of an artist like your father, but also the challenges that unfortunately some of those really nasty diseases alter our lives. Thank you very much, David. Thank you, Daniel. Appreciate it. Now, I will close with a short excerpt from one of the many book reviews that I read and which I hope will inspire you to read David's book. Quote, David Darazi has crafted a masterfully assembled story of the life of his father. There is a warmth and loving undertone in a life beset with the mental torment of the spirit of an artist and the cyclic recurrences of the cross-wide brain functions of the disease. The story and life of this family is one that will better the mind of any reader. So many people are now, or will be, required to be a caregiver, and this book concisely exposes the clinical manifestations in a gifted life. It is a resource for all who wish to see through the disguise of schizophrenia in creative people." End quote. The In-Between Artist, the story of Tony Dorazi, is the title of the book by author David F. Dorazi. A good read that will send you back in time and who does not want to escape from time to time. So buy David's book today. And when done reading it, remember to leave a review as those are very important to authors and are very much appreciated. And please share this interview with your friends so that they too have the opportunity to discover our guest and his work 
And remember also that The Author Show may be accessed at any time at theauthorsshow.com. Plus, selected interviews can also be found on major platforms like Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Play, Pandora, and many, many more, as well as on TV. And whether you are an author who would like to be featured or a reader in search for new books to read, theauthorshow.com is a great place to start. I'm Danielle Hampson. Thank you for listening. Until next time with another author and another wonderful book. Thanks for listening to The Author Show. Find out more about authors and their work at theauthorsshow.com. Theauthorsshow.com. Tune in next time to another great author on The Author Show.